0: 2013 everybody we are live in the Bass Edge Studios for episode number 151 as always Bass Edge Radio is presented by our friends and make aware Keel Guard, the industry's first do-it-yourself keel protector, and proud manufacturers of the FlexStep and guard Be sure to visit them at KeelGuard.com. I am Aaron Martin, alongside our master of ceremonies and newly crowned Bass Elite angler, Mr. Kurt Dove. Kurt, I'm sure you'll never get tired of hearing that.
1: No, Aaron, you're exactly right. You know, it's a goal that I've worked for for a long time. So, whatever you achieve, your goals, it's always an important aspect of life. So, I'm definitely excited excited and look forward to moving forward.
0: Certainly excited on our end too and speaking of that excitement it's hard to believe the difference that 30 days makes. You have some major announcements to make for Bass Edge Nation.
1: Aaron I really do. Santa has delivered in a big way to listeners of Bass Edge. Just listen to these gifts that's been provided this year. First of all Bass Edge Radio Finish 2012 is the number one bass fishing podcast for its fifth consecutive year. As a result of our listener feedback, Bass Edge is going to be producing two episodes each month on the first and 15th for 2013 we have an expanded lineup of sponsors on board for 2013 including keelguard o'reilly auto parts lucas oil legend boats mercury marine power pole Rappaholic, and we're in the process of adding several more, so we're super excited about that. An even more lucrative listener question segment will be added. A $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts Give Card is going to be given during each show to the lucky listener whose question is chosen, as well as upcoming announcements concerning contests, prize giveaways, and special promotions to our fans on Facebook and listeners of Bass Edge Radio. It's truly an exciting time to be a part of the Bass Edge family, Aaron.
0: Wow, what a list and I do want to especially say thank you to all of our sponsors for their willingness to step up and support our passion of bringing the most cutting-edge education to the sport of bass fishing. Speaking of education, Kurt, who do we have on tap for today's show?
1: We've got East Coast Angler and a guy that's real familiar with Bass Edge, Travis Ruley He's going to be joining us, covering us the topics of fishing pressured waters and, of course, the listener question. I want to remind all Bass Edgers to like the Bass Edge Facebook and stay up with the latest information announcements. Also, make sure you send those listener questions to info at BassEdge.com or post it on Facebook for a chance to hear your question on the show and win the $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Aaron, let's rock and roll, buddy. It's showtime.
0: White, good job. I don't
3: know of any other port that offers the challenge of bass fishing though. That's
0: full contact fishing right Man. there. The condition's
3: going to be tough, but we'll catch it This is this a good place. It's, it's all about figuring
1: it out. What do you think of
2: that, huh? Yeah! Oh, yeah.
3: Gosh. Oh, did you see yeah. that? Yes, I saw that. Yeah.
1: That was awesome. <laughs> Holy cow.
4: You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri
1: Ozarks.
0: While we seem to be on the topic of announcements, I understand you have a very exciting announcement of your own.
1: Yeah, Aaron, actually you alluded to it earlier, but if people didn't pick that up, I am super excited to be fishing the uh, Bassmaster Elite Series next year. It starts in March. You know, here we are in January. There's there's a lot of preparation that goes into that stuff. And you kind of get caught up a little bit sometimes with the business aspect of the sport, but I can't wait to get out there fishing again on the Elite Series. You know, I fished it for several years, a few years back since guiding on Amistad, and getting back into the opens and re-qualifying. Couldn't be more excited, and uh, I'm looking for a great year. And hopefully we can talk about it a little bit on the radio show and keep Bass Edge listeners involved in what's going on with the career. So I'm excited about it.
0: Absolutely, and we look forward to following you and your successes. And certainly I know that experience is going to bring a tremendous amount of knowledge to the listeners, so we'll all benefit.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Talking about being on the water, you've been on the water since the last time we spoke, and it's been cold for a little while now. Up to this point, you know, it hasn't been a crazy cold winter but uh have you been out deep aaron and um you know you had a little bit of uh, success uh fishing a little tourney here of late and uh finished eighth place you had some low water level high surface temps throwing a wiggle wart spinnerbait and jig tell me some more about that
0: you know the interesting thing you're right there's several of us that uh, jumped in fish the central pro-am it's a two-day format that tournament actually took place on table rock lake That first week of December, and the interesting thing is, Curtin. Looking back at my logbooks, the water level was eight feet lower than what it was a year ago, and the surface temp was about nine degrees warmer. And normally, you know, uh, I would be out fishing the tree rows, throwing suspended, whether it be a swim bait, jerk bait, uh, that type of deal, or even setting out drop shotting and throwing a spoon. However, a lot of that structure I was actually looking up at because it was high and dry. With the addition of the warmer water, you know, I found myself in power fishing, just like everybody else, uh, throwing a wiggle and a spinnerbait for a tournament that you know we had 30 mile an hour winds 80 degree temperatures on the first day 70 degree temperatures on the second day which is totally uncharacteristic of a december <laughs> tournament then you throw that low water scenario into there it made it very difficult to get in close to the bank and fish areas where the fish normally were but bottom line you just had to go in there and beat the banks and navigate your boat between the standing pole timber to get to where the fish were because they were definitely shallow
1: yeah it's interesting you know we've dealt with tons of low water here in south texas well this year and finding the same things you you know, it's an odd scenario when the water's pulling, you know, you get some of those suspended fish out there, and those are the difficult ones to catch. And the fish that you can target, you know, are the shallow fish. They're a little bit more aggressive, I think. They're getting up there feeding and, and moving around, but that low water condition is is a tough one to combat, and it seems like that shallow water approach definitely works really well. One thing that happens when everybody's up shallow, though, is all of a sudden the water is super pressured up there because <laughs> the deep bite's pretty tough. And, you know, interestingly enough, we're going to get ready to talk to Travis Ruley. He has some great input on fishing pressured waters and he's had some great success lately. Let's hear what Travis has to say about fishing pressured waters and catching some big fish.
2: First by land and now by sea. At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and 0 tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend.
0: This week's guest is no stranger to the Bass Edge Airwaves, as he set the all-time viewing record on Bass Edge Season 3 bloopers featured on YouTube. For his advice on dealing with geese in city parks, he's East Coast Angler and Ryan Newman Foundation Champion, Travis Ruley,
3: Great to have you back on, Travis. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, <laughs> I guess I didn't realize I'd set the record, but uh, that was a lot of fun taping that. And just for the record, uh, obviously never hunts in city parks. <laughs> so, but just a lot of fun. Uh, bloopers are real is a good
0: time well you know uh, if you're going to be first in something uh, to me that's always the one that you want to be first in is is something that people remember you by you know sorry to throw you under the bus in that opening comment but really to bring those of us who are not familiar and have no idea with what I'm talking about Travis is actually one of many that's featured on the outtakes of Bass Edge season 3 and his comment during that was absolutely hilarious you can go to YouTube or directly on BassEdge.com to see those because they were hilarious and a lot of fun filming those you know Kurt kind of brings me to my next comment, maybe we got to have a useless Bass Edge trivia that we give some award away.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. I think uh, any kind of things that Travis or myself or any other guys that have been a part of Bass Edge for such a long time, would be a great battle for sure. <laughs> but uh Aaron um to echo what you said earlier it is great to uh be talking with Travis and having him with us again and Travis congratulations on that Ryan Newman foundation win uh last December over there on Lake Norman you know I'm really interested to know how were you able to best that field there's a lot of top anglers down there I know you're kind of new to uh that lake Lake Norman you just moved over there over the last couple years so it's not like you've been fishing it your whole life I'm interested to know how you came on top at the end of that tournament
3: well first off uh you know, before we get into the more... Specifics about the tournament, I'd like to say thank you to my father. To those of you have seen it out there on the on the uh, the web. Um, I was very fortunate to have my father fish that tournament with me, and uh, it was a really special moment. Uh, everything he's shown me over the years, uh, you know really uh, was a result of that tournament, and uh, it was uh, a really neat uh, experience and one I'll cherish for the rest of my life. But you know, as far as getting into the tournament itself, it's been a couple years in the making. You know, as you'd mentioned there, Kurt, that uh, you yeah, know I moved here a few years ago, and now Lake Norman is kind of my home lake. And I spent a lot of time in the winter months on that lake and, uh, you know, with a couple boats up for grabs every year on Lake Norman, I really wanted to study and, 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 and find success out there. So, you know, I think the key to success uh, the, during that week was a couple of things. Uh, you know, I think in the winter months, you know, anytime an angler goes out there and is trying to put together a winter pattern, I think they need to understand the, the fish, which is really the true opponent in which the tournament angler is up against. You know, a lot of people get caught up in the who's who of fishing or, or who's got the best equipment, but I think when it comes down to it, you know, understanding the fish and, and understanding what they relate to in the winter months is, is really key. Uh, you know, in addition to that, like I said, the, the preparation, going out there and looking at the weather and and hedging for what the weather would be around that tournament time was also key. You know, the week before that tournament, we had a lot of wind and clouds and, you know, a lot of guys were catching them, but I knew on the day of the tournament, it was going to be sunny and pretty much still. So, you know, I hedged my practice with that in mind and it worked out. But I was in an area in the lake where uh, there was a ton of bait and, uh, you know, I think that's key in the wintertime if you're fishing an area and you just don't see any life on any of your electronics or, you know, even just fishing down the bank, not seeing any shad flip or, you know, even birds, you know, I think it's important to surround yourself with that life form, and I think you're going to find fish close by. You know, again, I think uh, a combination of years of, of preparation and, and finding some level of success in the wintertime on Lake Norman, uh, finally paying off, and you know, really finding the bait and, and being able to capitalize on that. Uh, I think that was really the key to my success, and and, and really planning ahead for what the weather was to be uh, during the tournament, and not living, I guess, what would be in the, the memory or the moments of you know days before the tournament uh, was also a big differentiator. Tony,
1: Travis, you talk a little bit about the conditions and, and those kinds of things, which are critical, and even you know, as you're talking about tournament fitness, fishermen and and how they've got to perceive that you know also critical for just you know that weekend angler that's getting out there to be able to uh, look ahead you know when they're in their office during the week you know checking what the weather to be and and kind of seeing what those trends are going to be happening to help give them success when they get time to hit the water or hit the bank or wherever it is they're able to fish on the weekends but when when you're utilizing these conditions and you're looking at these things in the winter months do you like to use a bigger bait smaller baits you know what kind of baits have you been finding some success with well
3: that's a really good question i really kind of categorize it into different categories and that's really a uh, fast retrieve. so you know those of you out there listening maybe live on a grass lake uh, or even in a clear water lake you know where jigging spoons or stuff of that nature works you know to where, where the bass because they're cold-blooded right so their body is the same exact temperature as the water temperature is itself so if the water is 50 degrees the bass's body is 50 degrees Uh, So they're moving pretty slow. So I either fish things that move pretty quick and force the bass to react, or I also fish something slow and very natural in the wintertime because everything that bass is eating also uh, is cold-blooded, and they also move very slow. So it's a combination of two, fast and slow. I typically lean more towards the faster presentations when I'm trying to find fish, and I'll get reactions out of them. And then when I actually find them, I'll slow down and fish something a little bit smaller and a little bit more natural. And that's honestly uh, one of the other keys uh, to the success of that tournament during that week. So, uh, I caught all those fish on the jig, uh, but I did not find those fish on the jig. So, uh, you know, using uh, jigging spoons and and rattle traps, uh, I was able to locate some pretty decent sized fish and then slow down and catch them.
0: Travis, you had mentioned, you know, preparation uh, going into this tournament. And really, this time of year, historically, whether it be, you know, January or hereabout about in the winter, is a time, you know, for preparation for the upcoming year, but also a time of reflection for the past year. What are some of the criteria that you're evaluating, not necessarily tournament specific, but just in past and present with regards to your fishing and where you want
3: to take it or where you have been. I think the very first thing a, you know, a guy's got to do, and, and what I do, is I set goals for the upcoming year, right? I need to know exactly what I need to do in 2013, before 2013 even starts. And you know, so for some of the viewers out there today, maybe that's just uh, winning club tournaments or just being a better fisherman. You know, I think anybody that, that you will know, take the time to listen to a great program like this is is really trying to learn, uh, become a better fisherman, and improve their fishing game. So, you know, setting those goals before 2013 uh, is, I think, the very first step. Then secondly, setting the expectations of what is it going to take to get to where I need to achieve those goals. But last, and most importantly, is reflection, like you've mentioned. Going back into what happened over 2012 and you know, maybe even the years prior to that, and I, I measure those by two things, and that's failure first, and then I tap into my success. And I say failure first because I think that a guy could learn more from their failures than I think you can learn from your successes. Even though you can learn from both. Uh, and when I say failures, I'm, I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of a bad decision or time management through a tournament day, or you know maybe just going out there and saying, man, I was I was really looking forward to go fishing with me and my son one weekend, and uh, we just didn't catch them. Instead of just hanging that up as a, a bad day of fishing, really trying to drill into what really took place that weekend. What was it? Was it the light conditions? Or was it the time of the year maybe you just don't understand winter fishing or spring fishing and then identifying those weaknesses and then studying and working on those both weaknesses now be, to become strengths and then be able to take that and parlay that into 2013 and the years after uh, to find fishing success that's how i look at it and then obviously you know the successes that you have you can learn from them as well you know a lot of guys will take a long point or, or maybe a target that they have found over the last year and where they caught multiple fish in a tournament or just fun fishing and then to look at it and like, yeah, I caught five really good bass off there, but maybe if I would have changed my boat positioning or, you know, maybe went to a lighter line or a slower presentation, I could have squeezed an additional fish out that would have took me from a third-place finish to a first-place finish. Uh, and thinking about strategically what you could have done to squeeze an extra fish or two out of those successes that you had found in the year prior is also a great time or a great thing to reflect on as well.
1: Travis, all that stuff is very important. Those are great tips and uh, I like the way you analyze those things. And uh, speaking of analyzing, you know, you're looking at somewhere where you're on your home lake and, and there's this thing that we talk about, the home lake curse, not being able to perform well or choking. You know, it's kind of a, an accepted phenomenon in bass fishing. Obviously, you've been fishing Norman a lot and you didn't choke this time around. How is it that you deal with the pressure of competing on your home water and, uh, you know, making sure you're simply not fishing what you've fished in the past in order to take home that win?
3: I'll tell you, that is one of the hardest things to do because I think that most people will find themselves falling into a rut or fishing a memory of successes from the year before or the weekend before, but one of the things I learned fishing at the professional level uh, in fishing with guys like you, Kurt, and Aaron, is these guys all fish that day, and the really good professionals fish that hour, and even the super pros like your KVD and your Edwin Evers, they're literally fishing by the minute, and what I mean by that is having an open mind every day you go out there and analyzing the facts. Right, I know you. You could say, "Yeah, I caught fish over there uh, the day before," but now today is bluebird and there's no wind. And yesterday it was cloudy and the wind was blowing up against that bank. Sure, should you go over there and check it out? Yeah, absolutely. But don't spend a lot of time. Uh, what I learned is those guys uh, that are very successful fishermen, whether they're on the tour or just a really good, you know, a local angler, they fish in the moment. You know, a lot of locals what they end up doing is they just run spots. And I think what I've done uh, and have changed and stepped up my fishing game so I don't fall into that rut is I learn areas. And what I mean by learning areas is really taking the time to understand what makes that area tick. So for uh, those of you out there listening that might be familiar with uh, Wheeler Lake uh, in Decatur, Alabama, I used to live on that lake and I used to guide part-time on that lake. If you knew anything about that lake, the Decatur Flats, for the most part, depending on how the grass grows that year, that's the area where most tournaments are won. Well, instead of trying to find little spots on Decatur Flats, I'm going to spend my time researching that area and I'm going to understand what really makes the Decatur Flats tick so I can win tournaments. And I won some tournaments in Wheeler. So the same thing applies whether you're in Florida, you're in New York, you're in Alabama, it all doesn't matter. I, you know, I think a fish is a fish. They have a pea-sized brain, uh, but taking the time to actually understand what makes them move and how they use an area is how you're going to stay out of that homely curse. Again, there are times where you're going to run a lot of different spots. But I think you should try to understand an area, uh, and that, that will also help you stay out of that funk. But again, have an open mind. I think that's the bottom line. Have an open mind for the day and analyze the, the, the conditions as they change by the hour.
0: Well, Travis, we are certainly rocking and rolling here, all good stuff. I want to get you to hold the line and bring you back after the break to discuss fishing, pressured water, and answer a listener question. You're listening to Bass
1: Head Radio.
4: Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com.
2: Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the powerful is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook weary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you.
3: Hey, this is Kevin Van Dam. This is Brian Maloney. This is David Walker. This is Scott Canterbury. Hi, this is Chris Lane, and thanks for listening to Bass Edge Radio.
0: We are back on Bass Edge Radio, and this segment of the show is brought to you by Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products—from real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer requirements. Visit lucasoil.com. It
1: works. Travis, with the popularity of bass fishing increasing, the movement in technology and the amount of information available, our waters are obviously extremely pressured, especially when you get to a locale like you're at, you know, right outside of Charlotte, Lake Norman. How do you combat against this and go out and establish patterns that will hold up over time?
3: Well, that's, that's a good question. i you know, kind of piggybacking off of my last response. You know, I think it's really understanding an area. I mean, I think everybody's had some experience on a private lake. And then gone out and, and, then had a really hard or challenging time on a public water like Lake Norman or gosh, any lake out there in the country that gets a lot of pressure, uh, and have found a big difference in the level of success you experience. You know, a private lake, you're, you know, there's a lay down sticking off the bank, you'll flip over there, you catch a four pounder, and then you go down the bank a you see a rock, you flip over there, you catch a three pounder, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Well, and, you know, on public lakes, uh, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And, and again, I think it's understanding an area and really, again, keeping it very basic. And understanding that a fish is just a fish. It's no different than the fish that lives in Lake Norman, uh, from the fish that lives on on Lake Wheeler, or down there in Lake Toho, down in Florida, or up there in Lake Champlain in New York. Uh, It's still a fish. Now, they may use different types of cover and different types of structure, because you're talking about a man-made lake compared to a a natural lake or glacier-cut lake. Uh, But for the most part, they are just a fish, and you don't want to overthink it too much. Uh, So, again, really studying the fish and how they move throughout the year is important. But uh, drilling down to the details of an area uh, and understanding uh, why, right? So I think the big difference between a guy that fishes for fun on the weekends, he'll go out, he's going to catch a three-pounder. The first thought that he's going to come to his mind is like, wow, that was fun. But someone who's really trying to understand and, and, and elevate their fishing game is going to catch a three pounder. As is, is both you know all three of us on this call know, you know, a three pounder doesn't haphazardly just swim around and end up on a boat dock, right? There's a reason why they're there. And you know, if a good tournament angler, a guy that's really trying to elevate his game, is going to catch that three pounder instead. Instead of saying, "Wow, that was fun," he's going to say, "Why was that three pounder there?" And then he's going to learn, and he's going to probably pick up his trolling motor, turn on his big engine. He may uh, graph out in front of that dock, and then what he May find is maybe a rock or a rock bar that extrudes off the bank out into a deep hole, and that big three pounder was literally just following that lay down or a series of rocks up to that dock to where they could feed, and then when the conditions change, they move back off into that deep water. You know, again, think a guy uh, that's really fishing pressured water, if he can embed in his mind the why instead of, wow, that was fun, I think you can learn a lot more, and then it's going to really help you drill into the details of an area to find uh, more success, and especially that's important on pressured lakes because it is the subtleties, and it is the details that make all the difference in the world.
0: Travis, the irony is, you know, we were joking about dealing with geese in city parks because that's where your segment was filmed, but, you know, I firmly believe that the guys that are fishing from the bank in the city parks you can't have a more pressured water situation. So my question to you, because this has happened to all of us, you're going down the bank or, or you've moved or changed locations. You pull into your next spot and to find out that angler B just went down that bank right in front of you. Are you going to stay there and follow in behind him and fish? Or are you going to change
3: locations because he's already went down that bank and why? That's a good question i'm following them, and here's why uh, so i'm not afraid of jumping behind somebody and fishing and I think everyone uh and Kurt and Aaron you probably agree with me, but you know how many times have you been in a bass boat with your buddy and he's fishing maybe a rod with 15 pound test line on his jig maybe fishing a little bit faster and you're slowing it down you've got eight pound test line with a finesse jig and you're fishing a little bit slower and you catch three fish to his zero or three fish to his one well guess what the odds are the guy in front of you is probably doing the same thing the odds of you guys fishing in the exact same fashion with the exact same presentations are slim to none so i have found where i've gone up behind guys and i've literally caught fish behind people uh, you know a bunch right maybe they don't cast as well as you do maybe you're on a lake with a lot of docks and you're a better skipper than the guy in front of you uh, he may be passing up a lot of opportunity but i will go behind anybody any day of the week and, and i'll try to do something a little bit different than them maybe they're 20 yards off the bank well i'm going to fish 30 yards off the bank a lot of people Tend to set their boat down right on top of where fish are. At, the bigger fish are actually living because they're catching smaller fish up in shallower water. So I'll, I'll tend to back off just a little bit, uh, but definitely not afraid to fish behind uh, people because the odds are more than none uh, they're going to be doing something slightly different than you. And if you've got something that's been you know that you're finding success with or a pattern that the fish are reacting to, uh, the odds are he's probably not doing the same thing or he or she is not doing the same thing as you. Uh, so I would not shy away from that.
1: Travis, we all have our confidence baits for waters that are getting beaten to a froth. You talked a little bit earlier about you go to a reaction presentation and a slow presentation. Real quickly, one bait for what you're going to use with your reaction strike and one bait that your go-to is for that slow presentation.
3: (laughs) A froth. Are we? Uh, that's a lot, That's a great word. Uh, are we talking about coffee or are we talking about fish?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when there's that many people out there, we're talking about coffee at times, but uh, we're specifically relating to fish right now.
3: <laughs> oh man, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, for you know, as I categorized it, you know, as more reaction uh, bait uh, and then a slow presentation. You know, in pressured lakes, you know, I, I like to throw, and I guess it depends on the winter, you know, the time of year, but
1: reaction. Hey, hey, come hey! Come now, with, don't change a question: You only get one, yeah. one reaction oh, bait, only, only one, one. one reaction, one slow bait. Uh, you know, what, what okay. do we need to go out there and get? Focus,
3: Daniel, son, focus. You keep me in line. Uh, I got got excited when I started talking about froth. I'm joking. Uh, anyway, I, I like uh, for reaction bait. My favorite go-to is is probably a rattle trap. You know, you could use that in muddy water, grass lakes, lakes with rock, uh, any time of the year. And there's there's a million different ways to fish it. Uh, and that that's what's pretty neat about those. And for uh, finessed can I pick two for my slow presentation? Because so I really have two.
1: We'll let you go this one time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, a, a shaky head. I know a lot of guys out there say that, but but really, I mean, if you can master fish in a shaky head, uh, you can catch some really big fish. Uh, and I think the best place to practice fishing a shaky head is in your pool. You'll be amazed at how little you have to move your rod to get that shaky head uh, to to move. Uh, and then a finesse jig uh, is my favorite go-to bait when, on pressured lakes. But I think most most importantly, I think you know it's not just the lure, but it's also how you present it. Uh, you know, I grew up on a lake in Colorado where the visibility was 60 feet. I don't know if you've ever been on a lake with that clear water. That's pretty clear. Uh, And the key there was really light line and really, really long casts. Uh, And those lessons have have carried with me through my fishing career, you know, on pressured lakes. Long casts, light line make a huge difference getting an extra bite or two.
1: Let me tell you, if you can catch a bass in Colorado, you're you're a special angler. I know a lot of guys... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there's not a whole lot of bass up there, but but there's a few good lakes. Don't get me wrong, but uh, oh, yeah. but it's an awesome, awesome learning ground because the population is not super strong, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, that's right. Good
0: stuff, so. Travis. But, uh, you know, our show will not be complete without awarding a lucky listener $100 gift card to O'Reilly Auto Parts for this week's listener question as it comes from Bob Tipton in Jemison, Alabama. Bob wants to know if pros use swivels. Or do they tie straight to the lure? Again, that is from Bob in Jemison, Alabama.
3: Good question, Bob. You know, um, I I think the answer is is no. Uh, I I don't use snap swivels. And, you know, having the opportunity to travel with a lot of uh, really, really, you know, big name, successful professionals on tour, they they don't use snap swivels, and uh, they do tie the line directly to the lure. And I think you get a couple of things there, right? So, obviously, the more natural presentation, that's the the obvious. But also, too, a little bit better feel. I think when you tie your line directly to the jig or to your lure, I think you have a little bit better feel of the lure itself. Uh, and those are really the two main points I think for a guy that that, that uses snap swivels I think they typically are using that for convenience to kind of speed up the process between lure changes I think to combat that and to to get you a few more bites I think you tie directly to the lure but you practice your knot tying I I myself can tie a howler knot and a trilline knot in the same time it takes someone to change out a snap swivel you know sitting down on a Sunday over a cup of coffee and if you spend literally one hour two hours practicing tighter knot here and there you'd be amazed at how fast you can tie them Uh, and then second. Secondly, you know, if you feel like you need a little bit more action, because some people would argue, well, a snap swivel allows the lure to move more freely than a knot. Uh, there's a knot out there called the loop knot, uh, and and I know people that have, have tied that, you know, for like a jerk bait or, or crank baits to give their crank bait a little bit more action. So uh, the, again, the answer, I think, the answer is no. I think for the most part, most pros do not use uh, snap swivels, and I myself do not use them.
1: I second that, Travis. Great job, and and thanks for the feedback, and congratulations to Bob Tipton for having his question chosen for the O'Reilly. Auto Parts listener question segment O'Reilly Auto Parts the professional parts people just a reminder to send your listener question to support at BassEdge.com or post on the Bass Edge Facebook page for your chance to win that $100 gift card from O'Reilly Auto Parts
0: as always Travis it's been a pleasure having you on the show any closing comments or thoughts before we let you get out of here
1: well, one last
3: one uh, you know I, I think you know that the whole purpose of the show I mean, is it's to share some knowledge with the, the viewers out there but I I'd like to leave one tip with everybody that's listening. Uh, you know, and this changed my, my fishing game just in general. And if, for those of you who are not familiar with Buck Perry, uh, he's the father of structure fishing, uh, and he writes a, a a phenomenal study guide. It's a nine-volume study guide it actually has tests and everything. It's probably the best $60 I've ever spent. The education I gained from those books is literally more valuable than any rod or any tackle box I have or any depth finder I have. Uh, and I'd recommend anybody that's really looking to take their game from one level to the next is to look into that and that, that's honestly the best advice I can give any fisherman out there uh, who's looking to improve their their, their knowledge so uh, but in addition to that you know thanking my father for everything he's shown me anybody out there that's got a child or has the ability to take a child fishing do it uh, it, it it's, a, it's, it's a lifetime of phenomenal memories uh, that even my son will be thanking my father and maybe even his son will be thanking my father for sharing with me so um, you know I thank him for everything he's my hero and uh, definitely someone that uh, i look up to so i think that's pretty much it
0: travis uh, certainly as always great to have you on class act as always best of luck in the upcoming year let's take a quick break you're listening to bass edge radio
4: You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove.
1: Aaron, Travis brings up some cool things that maybe need a little bit more discussion. So we're talking about pressured waters and populations of fish.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, Kurt, bottom line, we need to answer for our listeners and really just keep at the forefront of our consciousness when we're fishing is That regardless if if you're in a kayak, a paddle boat, walking the shoreline of your city lake, or launching your boat on the weekends, all the waters that we are fishing certain times of the year, every ounce of that is going to be pressured water. So how can we find those areas of higher concentrations of populations of bass? Because people group together just like fish do, and they're there for a reason. So I think that's what's important to try and disseminate of how we can get those larger populations first and foremost located, but then how to get them to respond.
1: Yeah, I think one of the key ways to look for those larger populations, you know, reading online, looking at fishing reports of where people have, have been, you know, catching some good fish. So so that we can kind of curtail our our learning curve a little bit. But at the same time, it's just the fact of being out there and fishing the whole lake fishing parts of the lake and then just analyzing where you got the most bites so that you can fish an area that has the most amount of fish. So if you look at a map of the United States obviously there's certain little pockets where there's heavy human population. So it's going to be the same thing when you're looking at a lake there's going to be certain pockets of huge bass population. So especially when you're working with pressured waters you definitely want to concentrate on those areas where there's the most bass so you can get the most bites. Aaron this has been a great episode. So happy we could reconnect with Travis Ruley He's brought a lot of great tips and tactics to our Bass Edge listeners. And that is the new and improved version of Bass Edge Radio. For episode 151, I'm Kurt Dove. And for Aaron Martin, we're signing off. Until next time. The Edge is presented by
4: Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.